Today's episode is brought to you by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Just started a bond that way, talking about things outside the industry, but they get a gist on who you are as an individual. And then as the conversation goes on, I think that's how the trust is formed because they get you. It's that part. It's that getting part is so important. And on a personal, or I'll call it a humanizing level, because we're in B2B. So meaning understanding me as a mother, a business owner, a downhill skier, an outdoors person. And then how do I handle my business, business to business marketing? Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. My new book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is now live on Amazon Kindle, on paperback, as well as hardcover. So to tell you about the book and to give you a little context, in a world of noise, competition, and skepticism, you've probably found that spamming your prospects with undifferentiated pitches, case studies, and sales collateral is a lot like yelling at a brick wall. And on the other hand, trying to go old school and completely personalize every touch point 100% is unrealistic and unsustainable because the few people you manage to contact might not even notice or care. And when life gets busy, your sales activity and your team's activity tends to grind to a halt. Your pipeline runs dry and stagnation, feast and famine, all these bad things, they can all happen. So what if the answer is actually combining the new school with the old? And instead of going in cold, how much faster could you grow if you could identify and open doors with the prospects who live within your circles of influence and are already primed to trust and do business with you? So this book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is the new selling philosophy for our age. Bold statement, right? But it is because it marries the timeless power of tribe-based trust with digitally enabled scale so you can open doors tastefully and convert prospects consistently, all without spamming anyone. So it's written by me, Dan Englander. I'm the CEO and founder of this company, Sales Schema. And the book's stories, strategies, and hands-on resources are grounded in thousands of outreach campaigns conducted for clients since 2014. That's among almost 90 clients to secure opportunities between our clients and hard-to-reach prospects, including the leaders of the largest companies on earth. A few things you're going to learn, you're going to learn how to balance personalization and scale to keep your pipeline full and achieve reliable and predictable growth. You're going to learn how to condense five years of networking and do a single week-long campaign so you can batch up warm referrals into specific ideal accounts. You're going to learn how to de-risk conversations. That's the, the emphasis for this with highly skeptical prospects by leveraging strong personal commonalities instead of boring publicly available information like, hey, I saw you tweeted about this thing last week. That doesn't work. And you're going to be able to leverage dozens of actual copy examples, campaign strategies, and online resources so you can launch and close deals in a matter of weeks. So Relationship Sales to Scale will reshape the way you think about sales and business development, whether you are an owner, a dedicated salesperson, or in any growth-focused role. This book is a fit for the owners and salespeople in professional service companies and other B2B service and or software areas, assuming you're going after high lifetime value. So this is not for small, medium-sized businesses. So with that said, if you would like to learn more and pick up the book 
on Kindle or paperback or hardcover, and eventually we'll have it out in audio before too long. You can do that by going to saleschema.com slash rsas. Again, that's saleschema.com slash rsas. Today on the show, I'm very excited to welcome Donna Peterson. Donna is the CEO of World Innovators, which is a consultancy that focuses on helping with B2B sales and marketing for a number of B2B niches, including biopharma, food and beverage, metalworking, manufacturing, transportation, power, energy, and oil. I was fortunate enough to join Donna on her podcast, which is called the B2B Excellence Podcast, a number of months ago. And we covered a lot of ground. We talked about what it was like leading a B2B-focused consultancy from 1988 all the way through now, 2022, and how things have changed between then and now. And we talked about the power of relationships both you know, with clients and also with informing your campaigns and how that thread has evolved over time. Uh, so I think you're going to learn a lot from this interview, and please give it up for Donna Peterson. Donna, good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. And likewise to you, I want to say we spoke kind of before the summer at some point on the B2B Excellence Podcast, if I got the name right, which was a lot of fun kind of digging into the B2B space, which is where we live and where so many esoteric niches live that even within the B2B space, sometimes I feel like we're all driving around blind because it's just such a deep rabbit hole and then consumer gets so much attention and you, you people understand consumer industries, but there is never enough coverage on this world of ours. So before we get into that, for those that don't know you, can you talk a little bit about your background and what you do at uh, World Innovators? First of all, I totally agree. You know, we always feel like we hear in the marketplace about, you know, B2C or, you know, marketing to consumers or selling to consumers. But what about us people in the business to business space? <laughs> you, know? Sure. you know, it's exciting. It really is. I started in this space over 30 years ago. And it was predominantly because my mother started the company. And at the time, it was a mailing list company. I was going to become a certified financial planner. And as I was going to school at night, I needed to earn some money during the day. So I asked her to please let me work for her during the day. I did, ended up loving it. I love dealing with marketing. And especially because I get to deal in all bunch of different industries all over the world, it created for a very exciting day. And it took and I haven't left. Here I am. Yeah, that, that's great. And I definitely want to dig into to the the beginnings versus now and everything because that's I'm sure a lot's changed. Can you give kind of a high-level overview of uh, World Innovators and your day-to-day and the sort of work you're typically doing with clients and so on? Yes, at World Innovators now, we are working with B2B companies in specific niche areas. So pharmaceutical manufacturers or the fabricating metalworking and executive education for like brands like Harvard Kennedy School or NYU Professional Studies find very high quality email lists that they can use for their promotions. And as marketing evolved, we don't do just the lists because we all know you can't just send one email blast or one postal piece and get the responses you want. We help them put together a nice cohesive strategy that helps build those relationships, which is so very important right now. Yeah, let's let's dig into that because that's you know soapbox. I think we're we're both standing on. I just published this <laughs> book called Relationship Sales at Scale, and it can sometimes be a little flighty or a little vague in terms of like what relationships means. So, can you talk about that? Like, what does that mean to you and your clients 
you know, has that ever not been important and, or has it grown in importance since 1988? So I'd love to just understand like what you mean by the importance of relationships in your world. Well, as a company, relationships was extremely important. We always had the philosophy of quality, not quantity. We bring in our clients and a lot of our clients we've had for over 15 years. And that's because they're almost treated as part of the family because this is a family owned company has been since 1980. And so when they come in, we help them with everything. And sometimes it might be picking out vacation spots. <laughs> you know? yeah. We talk to them about that. So we like to dive and get a real good understanding of who they are, what they're trying to accomplish, what kind of outcomes they want, and why do they want them. And it's through building the relationships. Maybe it is building up where they go on vacation, but you'll learn a little bit more about the individual. And then we're able to take that information or those insights into their marketing campaigns. And that's how come we have such successes because we dive deep into the marketing part. It's not just, okay, I want a list of pharmaceutical manufacturers. That's it. Boom, you're done. Or I want to do a social post or do a banner. Boom, place it and you're done. No, that's not it. We dig deep into figuring out how they get connected, what type of responses you see, and how to make them better. And what we stress with our clients, it has to be about offering value. And I know you see that everywhere, but I mean offer true value of educating them, giving them educational pieces, not just plummeting them with sales messages, not saying, oh, you need this product because this product is going to help you do this, this, and this. Show them that you truly and genuinely understand their industry, what their challenges are, what their goals are, and then you bring in your product, which sometimes helps them. But basically, you educate them so much that they make the decision all on their own without you saying, buy from us. They'll be, I want what you have because you get me. I know you're going to be able to help me accomplish my goals. Right. That makes sense. And I think there's a lot of different directions that we can we can go with that. The first is, you know, this idea of of really, really understanding things and the nitty-gritty so that you can speak their language and that and that sort of thing. So, you know, as a third party, how do you go about doing that? Because there's so many, you know, it sounds like you're focused on B2B, which but within that, there's so many little niches, right? You you mentioned manufacturing and pharmaceutical. How long does it take you to get up to speed? And then how focused and how much understanding can you actually like realistically get to? And the reason that I ask is we've sort of 80% focused on the agency space and I'm still learning new things. And Mm -hmm. I still feel like there's, there's things that I don't understand. And it's been since 2014, right? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and just kind of how you, you deal with that issue. Well, the first thing I had to learn, this was a valuable lesson. I had to learn to say no. And I mean, nowhere when as a business owner, you want to work with everyone, but you have to figure out where you're an expert. What are your specialties? And that's why here at World Innovators, we know in that manufacturing space, those are our specialties. So the first thing is learn to say no to the people who are outside your wheelhouse. And in the end, it's good for you as a business because you're going to keep where you're an expert. You're going to get things done, but it's also good for the client because then they're going to go on to somebody else and they're going to work with someone who's an expert in their field. And they're going to appreciate you being so candid and to say, I don't really think I'm the person for you. You'd be better off working with 
this company, this company, or this company, and you give them suggestions. And then the other thing is when we start to work with companies, and it's funny, I'm doing 20 tips for the month of July. And my tip yesterday is the best way to really get to know an industry is to go to an industry-specific trade show. So for instance, pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical manufacturing. I go to the Interfex show at the Javits Center. You go around, you talk to the different vendors there. You get to see pieces of the equipment working, what they're used for, what type of facility they're in. You also can find out from these people about what are their challenges or their goals, who's using their machines, who's not using their machines. Then there's also different software platforms there, and you can talk to them about their platform. Like, why is their platform good for this space, this pharmaceutical space? And then also while you're at a trade show, you can go to the sessions because what they're talking about in the sessions is obviously top of mind. And this is where you can dive in and really create content that speaks directly to those individuals. So trade shows is one of my number one things. I know we can all monitor things on social media. We can read different pieces of content, but one day at an industry specific trade show, and if you're aggressive, not aggressive, but active, I don't mean you go and you just sit in some sessions. Maybe you say hello to two people and that's it. I mean, you go up and down the hallways, talking to the different vendors and really digging deep into the industry so that you get to know it. So trade shows is my number one. That's a really good timeless way to kind of get ramped up on any space. So that makes a lot of sense. Thinking a little bit about the aspect of relationships as it applies to these campaigns, right? And I think we're both kind of approaching the same thing in different ways. And for us and our clients, the relationship element has has meant basically de-risking calls at the top of the funnel, right? For what we do in our little world. Because what we've seen is that the scarce resource is not really understanding. It's not really information or learning about stuff. It's really Mm -hmm. trust, at least in our world, because the issue is that people kind of understand decision makers, let's say a VP of marketing, a CMO, et cetera, knows what 99% of of agencies do, right? They they might not know everything, but they understand the problem that's being solved. They understand differentiators. And those things aren't going to be interesting to somebody unless they're at the bottom of the funnel and about to decide on something. But at the Mm -hmm. top of the funnel, when it comes to just building that relationship and getting the door open, the thing that is the barrier is trust, where they're like, we've worked with five agencies in my career. We've been burned four out of those five times. Why should I have a conversation with you? And and sort of counterintuitively, the thing that we've found to kind of break down that, that barrier is the the strength of a mutual relationship, a personal commonality, being from the same hometown, being in somebody's backyard. It's those really basic mm-hmm. kind of human things that tend to work better than case studies or collateral yeah. and that sort of thing. So I'd love to, you know, let's say you're you're going to the, one of these pharma trade shows and, and you're fortunate enough to win a client. Can you talk about your process a little bit and kind of how you're using that relationship element to do what you do, either on the list building side or on the B2B marketing side or whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. As a business owner over the years, I have been approached with so many different companies telling me, you know what, I can definitely help you. I can get get you this many followers or I can build your email list. And sometimes I'm like, you know, yeah, we need a little help on that. And I'll dive in only to find out, nope, they can't do what they say, or 
they don't know more than my in-house team. So that was a waste of money. And you're right. How do you then stand out? How do you show people that you truly know what you're doing? And one of the ways is, like you said, commonality. Those I love. Going through LinkedIn, finding out, like you said, a hometown. I'm a big downhill skier. Are you a downhill skier? I had someone come in. I have a backdrop at one point of Winter Park in Colorado. And they came in. They're like, oh, that's Winter Park. And we just started a bond that way. Talking about things outside the industry, but they get a gist on who you are as an individual. And then as the conversation goes on, I think that's how the trust is formed because they get you. It's that part. It's that getting part is so important. And on a personal, or I'll call it a humanizing level, because we're in B2B. So meaning understanding me as a mother, a business owner, a downhill skier, an outdoors person. And then how do I handle my business? business to business marketing. So if I'm at a pharma show, one, get to know them, humanizing level, find something in common, children, colleges, whatever it is, and then dive into the industry and show your knowledge in that space of how you know the pharmaceutical manufacturing industry, how you can talk about HPLC machines versus microscopes and the difference of it. And that's where you start to build the trust. But all that time, you're not selling. You're getting to know them as if you were on at a social dinner party, just sure. interested in them. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think, you know, most most of us would, would agree with with that sort of approach and, and kind of like an in-person or one-to-one networking setting. But it sounds like we're both dealing with the need for for some level of scale, right? For mm-hmm. either whether, whether that's marketing or sales outreach or whatever. So if you, if you wouldn't mind, could, could you go through like a recent case study example, like a client you brought on and as much as you're willing to share, like how did you set up those campaigns to leverage relationships or to leverage those commonalities or, or anything like that in your marketing? Yeah, I would have to say, I'm trying to think who's my most recent client that we just brought on. I believe it's an industrial auction client and I have worked in that space for over 20 years. So usually if I'm connecting with them on LinkedIn, that'll be something I will tell them because industrial auction is a specific space. It's handled in a different way. It's very time sensitive. So when they go to do their marketing, they're not looking, they can't do big inbound marketing campaigns. It has to be a very specific direct marketing campaign. And once we do that, and they see that, then we start with a commonality of, oh, you know, your child goes to this college, or I see again, downhill skier, or you love to play tennis. And I'll talk about how I love tennis after a hard day, because when you take that ball and <laughs> it just makes you feel so much better. And so that has helped us gain that client. They trust what we're saying because they know I understand their industry, the industrial auction space, what sources they can use because I've seen the history of what works and what doesn't. And as we all know, there's tons of marketing sources out there right now, but they're not all good. And you have to be able to navigate through that because I had one client call me and say, Donna, well, really, they weren't a client. They were coming to me for the first time and they said, We spent $10,000 and didn't get one lead. 
And I thought, that is awful. I said, well, what did you pull? And then, of course, as we dug down, they didn't do a good selection criteria. They just did one of those big, back in the day, send those massive promotions with hopes that you're going to get the right people. And that is the wrong way to do it. It wastes so much time and money. We just dive deep, getting to know as much as possible about their target audience, about their company, about their industry, and about them as individuals, which I will say, it takes up a lot of time to do that. And it also doesn't work if you bop from company to company, where if they look on my LinkedIn, you know, this is a family-owned company. I'm not going anywhere. I've been here for over 30 years. So we hold the knowledge here and it helps them grow faster. So it sounds like as part of that approach, you're kind of going like one-to-one as you on behalf of their company to get leads and meetings for them using commonalities or what, well, how would you describe your approach to that? Yeah, no, it starts out a little bit broader, you know, because we will send the email blast out to a larger group, but a segmented group. Mm-hmm. So I will get, have a list or I have a list of industrial auction companies. I send it out, give them some tips about what I'm seeing. You know, right now there's such a shortage of equipment. Industrial auction is a great way to get that equipment into your facilities right now. Don't wait six, nine months down the road. So I show them that I have that knowledge. That then has them click and we then start the conversation. That makes sense. So, and then you're able to kind of use a particular commonality and so on. And then something else that, that we hit on earlier is, is yeah, it, I, 30 years is, is a while and I'm guessing you've seen seen a lot change. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like what was it like in 1988? Was it all just direct mail or like what what was the best way in and how have you seen things evolve since then? All right. But you're making me seem very old right now. <laughs> uh, that's wisened, let's say. <laughs> well, when, when I tell my children that when I started working, we didn't even have a fax machine. They're like, what are you talking about? And my son's like, well, did you have wheels on your car? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, we had wheels on the car. So needless to say, marketing has changed immensely over the years. Our company in 1980 was founded by my mother as a mailing list company. So physical labels, Cheshire labels or magnetic tapes because you couldn't email them because we didn't have email. And she went all around the world to build these connections with publishers and conference companies that were in industry specific areas for companies like Frost and Sullivan, NYU, Caltech. Foresters, business publishers, and found these lists. And so it was a lot of legwork on her part. But as marketing has evolved, we still do that postal list. We still have a lot of those global alliances that she set up back. Gosh, it's going to be 42 years next month, 42 years. But now we help them with the email. And like I said, it's not one off anymore. And because you need to be building those relationships, You've got to have those campaigns where maybe you do a direct email blast, you do a social post, you do a banner sponsorship, you do, you know, LinkedIn follow-ups. You've got to create that nice cohesive strategy that one gives your company validity, but it teaches the people you understand their industry and that you can help them. Right. I guess with that, how have you seen the clients themselves, but also like the attitudes, the culture change 
over time, the sorts of businesses that tend to start, right? Because it seems like back then, like I'm just imagining sending out thousands of magnetic tapes, like that's a pretty big barrier to entry if you're a startup and that's, that's all changed. I'd love to hear, learn about that. Just kind of like how your clients have changed over time. Well, you're right because it wasn't as easy as going online and getting an email list of leads and emailing it out to them. You know, postal orders were, it's, well, it still is. If you're going to print up a piece, it's costly. Then the mag tape, you got to figure out where to get it. It was a more expensive proposition to start a company and then also promote it. And that's why you didn't see as many companies back then. Agencies that would work with companies they would stay together for a long period of time. You didn't see as much bopping around from different people. And that's because one, there was more loyalty, I think, between everything, employees to companies, companies to agencies. There just was more loyalty than there is today. And a lot of companies now will give that pitch. They'll give the pitch that they need to make the sale, but then where are they six months from now? And so I think that is why you see a lot of moving around of employees. You see a lot of moving around of companies to agencies. But what keeps you is you got to hold strong to what your company mission is, what your values are. You know, there's been several times over the years that people have wanted to buy us and we've said no, because we want to stay relatively on the smaller side because we want to be hands-on with clients like ideal As CEO, I still will talk to clients day to day so that I can keep hands on, but they know the knowledge that I have from 30 years that's going to help their businesses grow. And so that's, that's what's really changed. Things stayed the same for a while, just like lists or sources. If you wanted a good international list, you had to go to a list broker or a list manager that was reputable in our industry. But now you could go online, you could Google something and you could get a list. And sometimes the list might work, but then there's other times where you just have wasted your money. And it's not just about a list purchase anymore because there's so many different marketing channels you have to make sure you're across the different channels. That's really interesting. And one thing that you said that jumped out at me is, you know, you're maintaining these relationships with clients because you have the knowledge and you've seen what's worked over 30 years. So can you talk about that a little bit? Like what are those things that have been timeless? As a quick break, I wanted to let you know about our newest video training, how to take charge of your agency's future revenue. By the end of this training, you're going to learn how we get two to five qualified appointments every week using tasteful and highly targeted email outreach. That might not sound like a lot, but once you understand the outreach napkin math, you're going to learn how this can lead to massive scale for your agency or B2B service company. In addition to that, you're going to learn the six steps for successful outreach campaigns based on everything that we've learned from working with more than 100 agencies since 2014. You're going to get the complete agency outreach tech stack so you understand the right tools for getting the right results. And you're going to see agency to brand email examples and get inspiration from high converting campaigns. So to get this 30 minute training, all you need to do is go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge. Well, 
Timeless is definitely at caring. And I know that sounds probably pretty lame, but we're not about making that one-off sale. We never have been. It's about building the relationship before relationship building became the thing, before people started to talk about it. And I say to people, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, COVID was a good thing for us as a company. And the reason why is because I think people started to sit back and look for more quality options for their marketing instead of just going after the pitches. And if you're looking for quality ways, and my thing with my clients is when I'll set up campaigns, I'm like, we don't want to go in with a big, huge campaign. I want you to start small. I want to test the water, see what's working, and then we build off of that. That has been the thing over the 42 years that has kept World Innovators here. It's caring. And because we're family owned, that helps too, because there's a vested interest with everybody who works here. At one point, there was five family members here. There's now three of us that are here full-time working in the company. And you know we're going to be here, you know, 20 years down the road. That's great. There's something, you know, very, uh, you know, timeless and powerful about that, I think. So well, to shift gears a little bit, I think you talked about, you know, people bouncing between a brand or an agency or doing this sort of thing. And I, I had this thought this week and I, I may or may not articulate it very well, but it's sort of like, I've never felt more out of touch about the younger base of talent, you know, like people coming into the workforce now, than I think my, the elder generations have been. If I think about when I started in companies, either boomers or maybe Gen Xers were my bosses and so on. Part of that's because we're distributed and have always been been remote, but also, and I'm not that old, I'm 35, but I don't have a feel for like what the next level of talent looks like. And I don't know exactly where it's going. I would guess the tech industry, startups, I don't think it's going to the agency space as much. The thought that I had this week was like, I keep getting introduced to really powerful software, tools, things that can help. And there's so much of it. And I'm starting to think that like the scarce resource is the creativity, the ingenuity, the talent. It's no longer the tools anymore, right? But all we ever hear is software is eating the world, you know, to use the injuries and Horowitz line. So I might have just come up with a really basic observation that everybody's th- thought of for years now, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because it sounds like you're also working with clients on fulfillment and hiring and those sorts of things as well. Well, I think you're right. I think right now, what I've heard the people coming out of college and my daughter being one of them, it's the money. You know, they're all following the money, you know, tech sales, being in finance. And at the end of the day, you've got to like what you're doing. And like you said, that creative side, I hope that we don't see so many people going into the tech space or the other finance space and not using their creative talents, because it'll be a sad thing for our world if they don't use that. And it's like, what would you see in the job force right now when it comes to trades? I know for myself, we have a really hard time getting a plumber or getting someone to help us with, you know, electrical because they're not out there. And when we finally do, they're like, we can't get people to work and we're offering good money, but we can't get people to work. Just to push back, not even to push back, but to ask the question, because I'm not actually sure myself, like 
are they actually following the money, right? Because that this the prevailing wisdom seems to be that they're not. You know, the Great Resignation is about not following the money and doing yeah. doing you right. So I'm like, what? If, okay, then where is this going? Is everybody just becoming a Robin Hood trader or or an influencer? Like that can't be everybody. No. And I don't know if it's going to the agency space. I don't know if there's more or fewer people starting tech startups, crypto. You know, there's some of that going on, yeah. but. That's the sort of thing where I'm like, there's just, there's not enough people to come up with ways to use this technology. And I'm just talking about in our little world of like marketing automation, right? So anyway, that's... You know, you have a good point there because you're right. You know, I see some aspects where maybe because those are the stories I'm hearing about younger people bopping from job to job, just following, you know, whatever the higher price is for their salary. But you're right. There are some who are saying, okay, I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to go into organic farming. I'm going to just work at this farm and that's it. And maybe it's that middle space, like you're talking about the agency space or marketing at some level. We're not seeing the people there. I think you've got to promote the exciting part about our business. You know, marketing for me, I I love it was that creative side, that side of dealing in different industries every day, because I was going to be a certified financial planner. And I only had one more exam because it's back when the CFP exam was broken out into section. I only had one more and I would have been done and I would have been a certified. But I love the space so much because it was different every day. And I think you've got to get people as excited about your space as you are. And then when it comes to technology, you're right. I'm hit every day with, oh, you've got to buy this. This is going to help you get everything in order. And I'll say to my clients when they're looking at different you know, technology options, sit back and figure out what you're going to use it for and will you use it? Because I have some who go in and they buy these expensive CRMs and email marketing platforms and I'll go to them and say, so what are you doing? Are you connecting your blogs with your social posting, with your emails and everything? I'm like, oh, no, we're just sending out a few emails. Well, don't waste your resources on that. Go to a less expensive version. Concentrate on that. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't want to see companies wasting money having tech options they don't even use to its fullest extent. Or they have subscriptions they don't even use anymore. I had a gentleman who said he does a great thing at the end of every year. He cancels his subscriptions and then he brings them on as he needs them. And that's how he's able to weed out the ones he doesn't use. So that's an argument for the optionality of, of going month to month on these things and, and so yeah. on. That, that makes sense. And I think we, yeah, we do a, a lighter version of that, let's say. But to give you know the, the the devil's due, I guess, and I've sort of been the the anti tool, anti you know, getting obsessed with the shiny object sort of thing guy for a while. But it is fun, and you know, there is a sort of aspect of like some tools can tell you what it can actually be like a recipe of like what you should focus on, you know. And some tools are kind of defined by like what they don't do, and that can be kind of powerful as well. So with that, can you talk about that? Like what, what tools do you use? Like what are the, the software products that you found to be helpful, like in the B2B world for marketing, if you don't mind going into it? Nope, I don't mind at all. Matter of fact, World Innovators got on the HubSpot platform back in 2010. 
So that was a long time ago. And our website is there. Everything is there. For us, it has been a good fit. HubSpot, I also agree, is a good fit for some companies. But like I said, if you're a company, if you're not going to use all of their capabilities, it's not worth the expense. And of course, there's other marketing platforms out there people can use. But HubSpot is where we use it. I do a lot with Rev. I translate a lot. So we're doing this video. So if you sent me the video, I would probably send it off to Rev. They would transcribe it. And then I have all that content. So from this one recording of you and I, I could get almost a month worth of content. And so that's a great way for me to slice and dice things when it comes to content. Canva. I love Canva for, you know, setting up different images. Our social media person is on Canva all the time. And so that's one of our big ones. But HubSpot has really been a big one for us just because we have our sales there. We have our marketing there and our website. Everything's all in one place. Yeah. And just for the record, I don't think HubSpot's paying us anything. Um, so, but it's a <laughs> yet, although that would be nice. Um, it sounds like you graduated to that level of being able to to benefit from it, which is which makes a lot of sense. So we're even an agency partner. We have been since 2016, but it's not something I really promote because that wasn't my thing. Because I think every marketing platform has to be judged on its own merits based on the unique company. So I will have companies sometimes I'll say, you know what, HubSpot is not the platform for you. And I'll look into others. You know, there's SharpSpring out there, which I like their platform too at times. There's Keep. There's a lot of different ones. You just have to find the right one for the right company. Donna, kind of getting towards the end of our time, um, how can people follow what you're up to, get in touch and all that good stuff? They can always email me because I love talking about marketing. They can go to D. Peterson at worldinnovators.com. Also go to our YouTube channel, World Innovators. There you'll see our podcast. You'll see my 20 tips for July. And I would love for people to subscribe to that. That sounds great, Donna. We'll get that all linked up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Again, today's episode was sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, again, you can go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge.